Hey, I don't believe that any of you are here on accident. I believe that today is a special day that God wants to speak to your heart, to push you and nudge you in a special direction. In fact, um, I would say that you're here for a purpose. It wasn't a fluke that you were born. It wasn't an accident that you came to be. Uh, it, It was intentional for a special purpose. It's the reason why you have the relationships that you have and why you have the the job that you have and and why you've gone through the struggles and the good stuff and the bad stuff. They're all intentional. That God knew you before you were born because he has a special purpose for you. Kind of reminds me of the the Old Testament prophets and the kings back then. uh, So intentional that they uh, led to make change. Just like the New Testament apostles, John and Mark and all those guys, very intentional with a purpose to bring change. Or the, uh, the, the young Puritans that desired religious freedom and came to our country to do something and make change. Or the civil and religious leaders of our country way back when to bring about change. And I believe that just like them so long ago, just like them, we now are called to bring about change in some way. That's why you're here. That's why God created you. And so over the next three weeks, we're gonna spend time talking about vision and purpose and mission and God's special unique calling to you. And yeah, we'll do it as a church, as a group, but I believe that God, through his Holy Spirit, will crack the door to your heart so he tailor makes it just for you. We're gonna ask three different questions. Here they are on the screen. Who are you? What breaks your heart? And how will God help you bring change? And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit speaks straight to you a powerful message over these next three weeks that really helps you with your purpose and your calling. So as we dive into the word, I ask that you'll bow your heads as we pray. God, this morning, I know you're rejoicing uh, in heaven, but your presence is here too. We know it is. We can sense it and feel it. And so God, as we open your word, as we, as we think about our identity May we understand your purpose for us, who you've created us to be, and that is to be change makers. So guide us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever noticed that you can tell a whole lot about a person by the bumper stickers on their car? Have you noticed this? Maybe you're sitting in traffic, maybe it's just a traffic light on 436, and you can tell a whole lot about somebody that's in front of you. You're at the stoplight waiting, you've already scrolled Instagram, you've done Facebook, you sent that last text, and now you're bored, and you're reading the bumper stickers in front of you. And what's funny is that the bumper stickers are specifically chosen by that person to tell you who they think they are. And you can tell all about them. Now I realize that I might step on some toes this morning and I might get fired today again, I, uh, I only got one email from the last sketchy sermon, so, and it was a positive one, so we're okay, but, but we might uh, tip, tip, put our toe in the political realm, and so when you see that stuff, don't say anything, just keep on a moving, I'm just making a point, okay? Not a political one either. Okay, when you're sitting in traffic and you're looking at the car behind you, you in front of you, you know who they voted for. This is dangerous, y'all. All right, like this. Friends don't let friends vote Republican, or I was raised right. You with me? Let's keep moving, keep moving, okay. You know that um, you can tell a lot about the family in front of you and, and what they look like, like this. Ah, you've seen this family before. Mom, dad, sister, brother, brother, sister, sister, and they're Red Hot Chili Pepper fans. It's a dream family right there. Okay, um, if, if they're Disney family, they look like this. 
right? <laughs> Even the dog has Mickey ears on him. Okay, if they are really cool people, the family looks like this. Amen? <laughs> All you Android people are starting your transfer card right now. I see it. You're writing it. Boo. Um, if you're kind of nerdy, it looks like this. Right? Somebody said boo to that too. You can tell a lot about a family or somebody in front of you by their pets too. You can see that like, like a bumper sticker like this. I love my dachshund. Or, or this one. I like this one even better. My German Shepherd's smarter than your honor student. <laughs> or, or, and of course, you've got this lady right here. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen cats. She's the crazy cat lady. Are you here this morning? Are you here? Is, is this your car in the parking lot, somebody? I know you're here. Um, you can also tell a lot about people's athletic accomplishments. We're kind of braggadocious. We like attention. And so uh, you'll see some of these stickers. Here's one. A 5K. Starting off kind of small. 3.1. Do you guys, some of you guys have this sticker right now, I'm sure. 5K. Starting off kind of basic. Um, that's one extreme. Here's the other extreme. <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four, five half marathon stickers. I see a couple of 26.2 marathon. There's an ultra in there. Marathon freak. It says run. Yeah, this is not my car. That's for sure. Definitely not my car. Um, the, the, the other person in this group that we didn't talk about is this one right here. Zero point zero, I don't run. <laughs> now, is still in the athletic accomplishment bumper sticker realm. There's another group that's a little extreme. I know there's one of you here this morning, for sure, and that is anybody that has completed an Ironman. Um, I know we've got one over here. Do we have any more Iron Men and women in the church right now? It doesn't surprise me because, like, it's, it's less than 1% of the world's population. And I'll tell you what, people that do an Ironman, they like to brag about it. You, you, you may know some of these people. And the symbol for Ironman is this one. It's the M dot. There it is, the universal symbol. And what's interesting is that these peace people that passively, um, you know, brag about it with shirts and hats, or they, or they uh, do a subtle flex and slip it in a, in a sermon illustration, you know, um, they, they like this M dot. In fact, when you finish an, a, an Ironman, the tradition is that you finish the Ironman, you drink your chocolate milk, maybe you get an IV, and then you go to the tattoo parlor and you get the M dot tattooed on the back of your calf. It's, it's a token tradition. In fact, uh, here's, here's an example of it. Yep, there it is. Forever marked by this M dot. Uh, some get a little more creative and you have it like this. Kind of flashy with the bike gear, swim, bike, run, very nice. I, at one point, I met a guy named Steve Wallace. Here's a picture of him here. He's one of the executives for Arby's, the corporate whatever, up in Atlanta. Uh, I met him on a group ride from a bike shop, and we were riding along, getting to know each other, and, and we've ridden a lot of miles together. We, we've done centuries together and, and lots of fun with him. What's interesting about this guy is his identity is not Arby's. It's not being a dad or a husband. His identity is being an Iron Man. It's what it is. It's annoying because all he ever talks about is swimming and biking and running and training and, and, you know, recovery and all and muscles and whatever, all this stuff. It's kind of annoying, but that's his identity. 
But there's another reason why those that have completed an Ironman feel like it's their identity, and it's simply this. When you cross the finish line, Mike Riley, who is the voice of Iron Man, he stands there at the finish line with a microphone and he says specific words. When I finished Iron Man Louisville in 2013, here's a picture of, of me and Josh Woods, who's the chaplain at GCA. Yeah, that's me about 40 pounds less. Um, I lost 15 pounds that day, which was a lot. And when I finished that race, I came across the, the finish line and Mike Riley said, Matthew Smith, you are an Iron Man. And you've joined an elite group of people. You're no longer a plumber or a housewife or a doctor or, or a lawyer. It doesn't matter because now your identity has changed and you have become something different. You are an Iron Man. In order to become a change maker, to become someone that makes an impact greater than you could ever imagine. You have to know your identity. You have to know who you are. So let me ask you that question this morning. Who are you? Do you know? Not your name, not your address, not your social security number, not how many people you have in your family, not your pet goldfish's name. Who are you? At the very core of who you are, who are you? Do you know? What's the calling? What's the purpose? What, why do you exist? What's the vision for you? Who are you? I guess another way to, to, to get you to process this a little more is to ask this question. It's pretty simple. If money was not an option and you had all the money in the world, what would you do? If you had all the finances ever, what would you do? Would you uh, build orphanages in Africa? Uh, would you uh, go help at the soup kitchen in downtown Orlando or build homes for homeless? Uh, would you build libraries? Would you start a summer camp for the blind? What would you do? Or are some of you thinking, man, if I had all the money in the world, finally I would get those Jordans I've wanted for so long. <laughs> or, or, man, if I had all the money in the world, I could finally buy my dream house that has a man cave in it. Or some of you that are like me, you would say, if I had all the money in the world, I would finally buy my new boat. But let me ask you this question. Do you really think that the God of the universe would send his only son to live a perfect life, to die the most gruesome death ever, so that you could buy a new boat? Think about it for a minute. See, the challenge with Christianity is that we've become Americanized and all we do is think about self and what we can do and what we can get rather than who we are and who we're created to be. I believe that Christianity is having an identity crisis. And today and over the next two weeks, I believe that God will speak to your heart and he's speaking to mine too and that his vision and his purpose will pervade your life and fill your soul and that you will become someone that changes the world. Now, for some of you this morning, you're probably already feeling a little conviction in your heart, and that's good because that's me too, and that means that God's speaking to you. Maybe it was the boat thing that triggered you a little bit. Maybe. Well, your vision in your, li in your life um, from a human perspective looks a whole lot different than what God's perspective looks like, and so I'm praying for you this morning specifically. Proverbs 29:18 says these words. You've heard them well. Where there is no vision, the people perish. 
Where there is no vision, the people perish. In Hebrew, the word for vision, here it is on the screen, it's the Hebrew word kazon. It means a dream, a revelation, a vision. It's a God-given vision. In fact, I'd put it like this. Here it is on the screen. A kazon is a God-given vision and purpose for your life. It's a mandate. It's a command. It's a heaven-sent, God-directed, almighty purpose for you as a human to be more than you could ever think you could be. And Proverbs says where there is no kazon, where there's no vision, the people just die. Uh, It's a terrifying thought, but without the kazon, without the God-given vision, then you're wasting your life. I mean, that's what Proverbs tells us. So who are you this morning? Who are you called to be? What's your purpose for existence? What's the vision for your life? If you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open them to Romans chapter 8. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can follow along in the Pew Bible, the blue one in front of you, uh, on page 800, and you'll read the same words that I read, or you can just listen to me, whatever works best. I love the book of Romans. It's so powerful. Paul just tells it like it is, and we see God's heart just poured out for us, and, and what he's like, and what we can interact with him, like how, how we can connect with him. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks a lot about the law and perfection, and he says, the law isn't created for me to be perfect. The law is created so that I can look to Jesus more, because he's the one that makes me perfect. Paul continues on by saying, uh, there's a lot of challenges that you're going to face in life, and he says, it's expected But here's the good part, and he finishes up in Romans 8, 28. You know this verse well. Here's what it says in my Bible. He says this. He says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Did you catch it? who's been called according to his purpose. It's his kazon. It's his vision. It's his calling. It's all his stuff, not ours. He goes on, he keeps, in verse 29, he says, for those God foreknew, meaning knew before, for those God knew before, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. From sinner all the way to sanctified and perfect, the journey is in the context of this purpose, this kazon. God says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. It's in his purpose. It's in his design. So the highs, the lows, the ins, the outs, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all part of this purpose, this calling, this kazon. So whatever you're experiencing, allow it to happen because it's a part of his calling. It's a part of the journey. He says, uh, he, he's predestined us, and we Adventists, we get all sketchy on this predestination. Oh my word, Pastor Matt, what are you talking about up front? God predestined us, meaning he wants all of us from the very beginning, he wants all of us to be saved. He's predestined us to say, I want you all there. And he says, I've called you, and because I've called you, I'm with you. My purpose is with you, and I will sanctify you along the way. And I love that God's already doing this sanctification part where he's pushing us 
to do more than we've ever thought we could. In fact, next Sabbath, we talk about this, this, this movement that's happening as we ask the question, what breaks your heart? What is the specific calling that God's placed on you specifically? I can't tell you what it is. You can't tell me what it is. It's you personally. And I love to watch what God's doing in this church as he unfolds and unpacks these personal missional uh, pieces. Like this morning, I mean, it's, it's crazy to watch God work in lay members. There's this gap, the laity and the clergy, and I think it's ridiculous because we're all the priesthood of all believers. But to watch lay people baptizing people they've worked with tells me the Holy Spirit is giving that cause to people, that personal purpose and calling, and people are responding. I mean, we have Sabbath schools that are just based on this calling and purpose and mission. I'd put it this way from Romans 8. Here it is on the screen. We'll put this comment up here. Uh, I'll just say it this way from mine. I believe God's calling for us and all Christians is to be disciplers, servants, evangelizers, to be focused on reaching people for the kingdom. That's the calling not just for individuals, or not just for the big group, but every Christian to ever be. I mean, the prophet Isaiah, he, he, here it is on the screen. He, uh, God speaks to Jeremiah. Did I say Isaiah? I meant Jeremiah. He says to Jeremiah these words, he says, before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, and Forest Lake Church, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Here's your calling, church, to be a prophet. Jesus says this calling to all, every one of us in Matthew. You know this verse very well. Jesus says, go and make disciples, Forest Lake Church, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus says in John, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. I love it how God speaks to us through the words of Paul. Here's what he says in Ephesians. He says, God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God's made us new people so that we can spend our lives doing the good things he'd already planned for us to do. It's his vision. It's his calling. It's our response. He says, be missional. Here's my favorite one. I love it. 1 Peter 2.9. It's on the screen for you here. But you, Forest Lake Church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, every one of us, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. That's the calling of every disciple ever, every Christian ever. And this one, the last one, Matthew 4. Here's what God says. Come follow me, Jesus said and I'll make you fishers of men. If, you've, if you're missing a purpose and a calling, there it is, to be fishers of men, to think of others. About two months ago, my boys, they came up to me and they said, hey dad, we wanna go fishing. My eyes got big because I've only gone fishing one time before, worst experience of my life. <laughs> my dad's a pastor and he was working with a guy that wanted to get baptized, and so he was building a relationship with them, and he was hanging out together with him, and the guy liked to fish, and so my dad said, well, hey, can I come fishing with you? And he said, sure. My dad said, can my boy come too? And he said, sure. So for eight hours, we stood on the side of a lake and just cast and cast, never caught a thing. Worst experience ever. I don't even like fishing. He never caught something. So my boys, they say, dad, we want to go fishing, and I say, well, we're going to have to learn some things because I know nothing about fishing. And, and so I did the best thing possible. I called Pastor Mark Reams because that boy knows how to fish. And, and I talked with his son too, Noah, who's an incredible guy. 
and I said, hey guys, teach me the ins and outs of fishing. And so they described different fishing rods and different bait and where to go. And, and so I, I got on Facebook Marketplace, my favorite website ever. You can buy, I am, a, I am a wheeler dealer. If you need me to buy something for you, I'm gonna get it half price. Just let me know what you need, I got you. I get on Facebook Marketplace and I look for fishing rods and I find a guy right here in Apopka, I guess in Altamont, just, just a minute and a half from the church here. And I drive up to his house and he, he opens his car and he pulls out like 25 fishing rods and he, and he lays them out across, he says, which, which would you like? And I said, man, I don't know anything about fishing rods. You're gonna have to show me what I need and you're gonna pick it for me. And so he looks and he said, oh, I think this one's a good one. And he picks it out and he makes sure that the, the line's good and he, he, he does the reel and makes sure it's spinning well. And I explain what's happening. And he said, oh man, I wanna make sure you have a good one. And so he shows me how to run the line through all the little eyelets and, and gets ready. And I ask him for any tips, he gives me a few. And we go home, get everything set up. My boys and I walk across the golf course down the way where there's a big pond it's kind of hidden back behind. A few of you know where it is, but I'm not telling you where it is because I want to, I want to get the fish myself. You can't go to my spot. <laughs> so we get down there. Catherine, Canaan, and myself, we're ready. And we throw it out there, reel it in. We were only there about 30 minutes. The sun was going down. And within the first few minutes, look what happened. I got proof. Look at these guys. <laughs> it's not the same fish either, I guarantee it. Caffrey caught that first one, reeled that sucker in. He was so happy. I got the, I'm a vegetarian, so just, I'm just hurting fish for the fun of it. It's terrible. Don't judge me. I know my morals are slipping a little bit here. We let that fish go. The very, it might have been the same fish. I don't know. The very next cast, bam, Canaan reels one in. Look at the pure joy on Canaan's face on the right there. Look at that. Oh, if you've never gone fishing, you're missing out. You should come with us. It's fun. So we had one rod, just fishing. Pretty soon one rod wasn't enough because we're taking turns, casting out there, five casts each, and then you switch. It's, just, it's not the way to go. And so pretty soon my boys said, Dad, we want our own fishing rods. I said, okay, we can do that. Christmas is coming, boys. We can do this. My sister texts me soon after that and she says, hey, what, what do your boys want for Christmas? I knew exactly what they wanted. A few days before Christmas, a big card shows up in the mail. And on Christmas morning, these boys open up that card and pull out two gift cards to Bass Pro Shops. Aunt Mindy is the best. How did she know? My boys open up the card and they say, Dad, can we go now? Can we go to Bass Pro Shops now? I said, guys, we're going on a trip tomorrow. We're passing many Bass Pro Shops. We'll just get one on the way. And so on the way up to Atlanta, we pass the Bass Pro Shops in Gainesville. And they say, Dad, can we go? Can we go? And I said, oh, guys, well, we're keeping on, keeping on. We get to the one in Macon, Georgia, pass it. They say, Dad, there's a Bass Pro Shops. I said, guys, we're, let's keep going. We pass the one in Car I'm, I'm a terrible dad, aren't I? This is awful. Cartersville, Georgia, Bass Pro Shops. Dad, can we go? No, guys. We get to my parents' house in Calhoun and we stop there for a little while. We spend the night and then the next day or the day after we go up to Chattanooga and on the way there, we stop at the Ringgold, Georgia Bass Pro Shops. It's a big one. We walk inside, we walk back to the, the fishing rod section. Mind you, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a fish out of water. Ha <laughs> ha, good one. Dad joke for the win. We get back to the fishing area, fishing rods, and I find the guy that works there and I say, hey guy, my boys both have Bass Pro Shop gift cards and they want to buy fishing rods today. And he says, okay, um, how much are their gift cards? And I say, well, they're $25. And he about laughed at me. <laughs> so we start at one end of the aisle and they're $180. <laughs> 
I mean, I want to be low entry here on this sport that sometimes doesn't ever work, right? We get to the $140 ones, the $100 ones. We get to the, all the way to the end of the aisle, and they're still like $99. He goes around to the corner to the, another little section, and he's looking at them. They're $40, and we're getting closer. He goes around this other corner to another section, and he finds fishing rods for $19.99. And so my boys get two brand new fishing rods. We go home to my parents' house. Next morning, we wake up raring to go. My dad lives uh, in a, he's got about three quarters of an acre, and right behind the barbed wire fence is a giant field with a big pond in it. We know there are fish in there, so we are jazzed for this. I'd, I'd brought our lures and stuff from home because I knew we were going to do this. We, we climb over the fence, we go out, and for the next hour, we cast, and we cast, and we cast, and we cast. Notice we're not catching, we're casting. And an hour later, we're all discouraged, thinking, this is awful. And my youngest son, Canaan, he pipes up and he says, Dad, it's okay because we'll always be fishers of men. That's my boy. He's eight years old, but he understands the chazon purpose and calling and vision that God has implanted in every single one of us that we're not here to catch fish, we're here to catch men and women for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. It's the only purpose that you are alive and breathing right now. The single only purpose. God's called his disciples way back when to make disciples so that the church would explode and wrap around the globe to tell the world about a God that loves them more than anything. They became change makers then, and he calls us to do the exact same thing. In fact, I'll put this on the screen. Here it is. We are called by God to fulfill his purpose in our lives, to become change makers so that we can change the world. That's why we're here. So who are you this morning? It's always inspiring to me to hear the stories of people who have sensed that calling and that kazon, that purpose, that drive in their hearts and lives to become change makers in the world. I want to introduce you to, to Katie Davis. Here's a picture of her. Maybe you know her. It's a little bit of an older picture. She's an incredible young woman. I never met her in, unless you count meeting her, uh, seeing her on the stage with 20,000 other people. And she tells her story, and I want, to, I want to read part of it from National Public Radio back in 2011, so it was a little bit ago. Here's what they say. Four years ago, Katie Davis was homecoming queen at her high school in Brentwood, Tennessee. Homecoming queen. That's beautiful, smart, popular, that's her. She had a yellow convertible and planned to study nursing in college. But those plans changed just a little. Today, she's in Uganda, sharing her home with 14 orphaned or abandoned girls, ages two to 15. She's like 20 years old at this point. Davis is the legal guardian or foster mother of all of them and hopes to one day adopt them. I think that's def de definitely something I was made for, said Davis, a devout Christian who idolizes Mother Teresa. Here's a picture of her. She says, God just designed me that way because he already knew that this is what the plan was for my life, even though I didn't. I want you to hear her story through this little video clip about her. ask you to come with me on a journey. 
A journey that started three years ago when I thought I knew what my life would look like. And I had no idea. A journey that has shown me more about the Father's heart and his extravagant compassion than I could have ever imagined. A journey that requires me to give more of myself every single day. It's a journey that took me from a 10-month commitment to teach kindergarten in Uganda to a lifetime commitment of bettering and serving this country. I'm Katie Davis. I'm 21 years old and I live here in Uganda. I run Amazima Ministries and my full-time occupation is that I'm a mom to 14 little girls. From an early age, people would always ask me, you know, you'd have like career day, what do you want to be when you grow up type thing, and I had always said I wanted to be Mother Teresa, just because I, I guess I just loved her heart for children. It is my 16th birthday and I'm eating sushi at my favorite restaurant when I tell my parents that I'd like to explore the possibility of doing mission work out of high school. Graduate high school having made a commitment to teach at a preschool for a year in the middle of nowhere, Uganda. My parents were so not on board, but you know, it came to a point where it was like, okay, God said, you choose me or you choose to please your dad. And uh, what is, what's it going to be? And I said, all right, I'm going back. It is January and I'm looking at a little girl crushed under a brick wall with no one to take care of her and her siblings. I offer to take them home with me until we find a better solution. I'm not really sure what to do with them, but I know that they are God's children. They stay. It is three days later, and the littlest one looks up and she calls me mommy. My heart breaks in two. I have no idea what to do, but something clicks. I'm even more scared than the day that I stepped on that plane, but I know that this is right. Today I have 14. Jesus does not ask that we care for the less fortunate. He demands it. When calling ourselves Christ followers, caring for orphans and the desolate and the widow are not an option. It's a requirement. I would like to invite you to come with me on this journey that is so far from over and see what her words, here's what she says, we'll put it on the screen for you. She says, I've learned that I will not change the world. Jesus will do that. I can, however, change the world for one person. So I keep stopping and loving one person at a time because this is my call as a Christian. Is your identity changing this morning? Is there a longing in your heart to follow the calling of God, to serve him and allow him to use you to change the world? May we ever seek to see our identity through the eyes of Jesus, the one who gave his life so that we may live and serve and become change makers. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, God, you're challenging me, you're pushing me, and it feels good, honestly. I know, God, that you're pushing the hearts in this room right now and those that are online too to become change makers, to, to hear that kazon, that personal calling in their life and my life too. And God, may we answer that call so that you can use us to change the world. God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.